Our gospel reading today comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the reading of God's Word, and God's people did say, the title for my message this morning is, Something to Believe in. Turn to someone beside you and say, we're looking for something to believe in. It's true, we're all looking for something to believe in. Last Sunday, uh, the music, all four services, the two morning services and the evening service was extraordinary. Were you here last night for the music? Wasn't it wonderful? Thank you, thank you to, to our choir and to everyone involved for making a wonderful day for us. I was standing right here for the performance. In the last song, people were so moved by the music that without even being asked, they just stood on their feet. And I turned and I looked back into the congregation at that very moment when people were standing. And as I looked into the congregation, I saw the faces of so many people that I know and love and care about, have known for a long time. I saw people who had hopes and dreams and losses and fears and disappointments and struggles. We've walked through a lot together as a church and as a family. And everywhere over the room, everywhere I looked, I saw the same thing all across the room, young and old, male and female. I saw tears. Tears and emotion and feeling, deep feeling. And I turned to Ashley Eicher, who was standing next to me. And by the way, I've been trying to talk her into moving home for about 10 years. <laughs> Pretty unsuccessful about that. Um, she's amazing. 
I turned to Ashley Eicher and I said, Ashley, look, people are just longing, longing for something to believe in. People want to feel loved. We all want to know that our life matters. And we all have this longing to be connected to something bigger than ourselves. It's really easy, isn't it, to lose hope. It's so easy to become brokenhearted. It's so easy to be worried and overcome with worry. That's why we long for something to believe in. And when we hear something that's so beautiful and so good and so true, we are just moved because what it does is it touches something so deep inside of us that wants us to believe in something that's bigger, that's bigger than ourselves. And, and right now, and as many times in the world, there's a lot of despair, there's a lot of heartbreak, there's a lot of disappointment. We're, we're upset about what's happening in the world and all around us, and we have our own personal struggles and our own battles. In Advent, what Advent is, Advent is that time when we feel that longing. We don't run away from it. We lean into it. We feel it. And in our longing, our longing for God to come again into the world to make things right, we say, God, God, hear our prayer. Give us something to believe in. Help us to hold on to something. We all need to be anchored to something. I love the story in Matthew because Matthew's version of the Jesus story uh, tells it from a point of view that we don't hear very often. It tells it from the point of view of Joseph. Uh, Luke's gospel is very different from Matthew. Go and read the two versions, the two stories. Luke tells many more stories about the infancy narrative of Jesus. It's more intimate, more tender, beautiful stories. Most of our Christmas celebrations taken from Luke. But Matthew uh, does a, a much more sparse job of it. He tells it from the point of view of Joseph. And I like Joseph's version because if you pay attention to it and you read between the lines, between the black and white words, and you can get down to the heart of it, there's a lot of heartbreak in that story. Now, for one thing, I've always felt bad for Joseph. I mean, Joseph doesn't even have a speaking part in the Christmas story. And you go watch a nativity scene, a nativity play, or a Christmas production, with, and Joseph is a little boy standing at the back like this. He doesn't even get to talk. And if you read the Gospels, Joseph never says a word. Doesn't say a single word in the story. And uh, did you know, have you ever heard a Christmas carol written about Joseph? I had not until the last service, and somebody came up and completely ruined the sermon, so there's actually one. But I've never heard it. You've never heard it either. No Christmas carols written about Joseph or for Joseph. We don't sing any. And I want you to think, it, it's, it's easy, isn't it, because we don't pay attention to Joseph to dismiss what was going on. What could have been breaking his heart in that moment? Because what we tend to do is we tend to romanticize the story. Joseph is the proud father who does the right thing. He's calm and serene, has his act together. Mary is a Disney princess who is beautiful and courageous and says yes to God. And then there's the baby Jesus, no crying he makes. He doesn't even cry. <laughs> and then we focus on the miracle, the, the miracle conception, and we miss the heartbreak between the lines. But think for a minute about what would be going through Joseph's mind. He is engaged to be married, and it was a legally binding contract in that culture. Engaged to be married, they were bound together forever at that moment. And then the woman he's engaged to, 
tells him that she is pregnant. And then she says, it's because of God. Hmm. I mean, would you believe that? I mean, how would you take that? And, and if it was God, it had to be very troubling to him. I mean, what would it be like to all of a sudden to be the stepfather of the Son of God? I mean, how do you tell the step, your stepson, who is God, to take out the trash? And what do you say to your stepson if he says, you're not the boss of me, you can't tell me what to do, you're not my dad? <laughs> any stepfather in the room knows exactly what I'm talking about. Or any father, any mother, really. But the heartbreak, the personal heartbreak, what would he do? The law demanded in that moment uh, could command him. He could actually, she could actually uh, be punished by death for her actions. And so here's Joseph. He's a righteous man, and he's feeling that tension between doing the loving thing and the hard thing and what is the right thing. He didn't know what to do. His whole life had been planned out at that moment, a nice, simple life with his family, and everything had been turned upside down. And then there's poor Mary. It wasn't easy for her either. I mean, she had, oh, yes, I will say yes. And we've all said yes to God in some ecstatic moment. Said, yes, I will do it. And then the next day, it's like, what did I sign up for? What did I sign up for? What are people going to say? I'm too young to even have a baby. And I'm going to raise God's son? What will I tell Joseph? I know it's going to break his heart. There is so much heartache in this story. And in this moment, I, I love it because it's, it's, it's very small in the text. You would almost pass it over, but it says that Joseph considered these things. Joseph considered these things. What I love about that is that he is pausing. He's not acting impulsively. He's not reacting He's waiting. That's what Advent is, essentially. Advent is taking a look at what's happening in the world around us, taking stock of things, pausing, waiting, and considering. He put things on pause to think, to pray, to reflect. Let me say this to you. If you find yourself in a situation where you're looking for something to believe in and you're searching for an anchor... If you're troubled about something in the world or in your life, you feel any kind of stress or anxiety or uncertainty, rather than reacting, do what Joseph did and just pause and be still. Now that's what we're doing in Advent. We're, we're reading these stories. We are pausing. That's what this, this service is about. Pausing, it's about listening. It's about paying attention. That's what Advent is. It's stopping all the noise and listening. And in that quiet moment, the angel comes. I mean, Joseph was so, so wrecked that God had to send an angel. And the angel looks at him and says these words, Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. He had a lot to be afraid of, didn't he? Not just his own personal circumstance, but Herod was at it again too. Pushing everybody everywhere. He was afraid. And maybe that's just what you need to hear this Advent season as you're waiting and wondering about something to believe in. Maybe you just need to hear the word of the angel speaking to you this morning. Don't be afraid. I know I'm talking to someone. Don't be afraid. Actually, 
That is one of the biggest commands in Scripture, is fear not. Over and over again, God shows up and says, don't be afraid, fear not. I'm with you, don't be afraid. Psalm 46 says, even though the mountains shake and the oceans roar and foam and everything is turned upside down, he says, be still and know that I'm God. I am with you. And in that moment, as he's searching, as he's pausing, as he's waiting, and he hears from God, God says to him, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. When you're searching and you're listening, open your mind that God wants to speak to you. And the words that God gives us and gave me here is the word trust. Don't be afraid. Trust me. Trust me. You look around, you wonder what's going on in the world, you're afraid, you're scared. Just trust me. Why can't we trust God? Now here is, here is the gospel in the story. So I, I just described to you the human condition. That's our condition. We, we worry, we're, our hearts get broken, we are concerned, uh, we're waiting, we're asking God to come. And in the gospel, buried in the human story here, between the lines, we see the story of the gospel. This is the gospel. Because in it, God does give us something to believe in. Here it is. Jesus was born in a human family, just like your family. The way that God responded to us, the way he showed his love to us, was dropping, not parachuting into the White House or to the palace or being dropped into some exquisite situation, but instead he came into the world the same way that every one of us came into the world through a human birth, into a human family filled with flaws and difficulties and oddballs and characters. Look at Jesus' family. The whole genealogy is filled with unusual people born into an ordinary family. He was fully human. He did cry. He was human. Then it says, he adds this claim, he said he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So not only was he fully human, but he was also fully God. This thing that God had done had come through the miraculous gift of God through a virgin birth through Mary. And this is making the central claim of our Christian scripture and gospel is that God was both a full human being, and not just a human being, but fully God. He was both. He was Divine and human. Divine and human. This way that God chose to save the world was to send him into the world where we live. And he named him Jesus. Do you know what the most common name for boys uh, today is? Liam. Did you know that? Everybody today is naming their son Liam. It's a great name. Liam. There's thousands of Liams now being born. Liam, Liam, Liam. Do you know what the most common name to name a kid when Jesus was born? Jesus. Do you know why? Because it's a, it's a rendering, it's a Greek rendering of the Jewish name, Joshua, which means God saves. So they were naming, they all named their kids after their, their biblical hero, Joshua, who saved the people, led the people in Israel. So it's really interesting. Why didn't God give Jesus a name that was original, you know, something completely different, instead of naming him everybody? Because it's God's way of saying to us, he is fully one of us. I chose to name him the way that you name your children. But then he gives them another name in the scripture. Emmanuel, which means, what does it mean? God is with us. 
See the, see the beautiful thing in this story? Why can we, what do we have to believe in? Not a God who's distant from us, but a God who is one of us and with us. A God who became a human being who was born in vulnerability and difficulty and hardship, who was being pushed around by a puppet king named Herod, who was worrying, worrying for his life and fleeing, who would be raised by human parents. This is someone and something we can believe in. Someone who was deeply invested in our world, who understands our human experience. So when we're searching for something to believe in, we pause like Joseph. When we find something that we can believe in, we trust. And here is what Joseph shows us. I think the reason Joseph doesn't speak in the story is because he's demonstrating to us that righteousness is what we do, not what we say. It's not what we speak, but how we actually live. And Joseph's righteousness and his trust in God is demonstrated in by what he does. Look how faithful he is. He does everything that God asks of him. He trusts the vision. He listens to the angel. He names Jesus. Jesus. He listens to the voice of angel, takes him to freedom when they're worried about Herod, brings him home, and raises him as his own son. I love this, this image of the nativity. I love that. Because that image of the nativity of Joseph holding Jesus speaks to me of the role he played as a human father. Let me just pause here and give some kudos to anybody in the room that's a stepfather like Joseph. Did you catch that? Christmas for the rest of us, we're not all traditional families. Some of us are step-parents. Some of us are foster parents. Some of us have adopted children. Some of us are raising children that are not our own. Some of us are raising our children's children. I know this personally. I'm a stepfather. And I like to tell this story um, about my family because I'm proud of our family. I want to show you a photograph from a few weeks ago. When Teresa and I were married uh, 25 years ago, our daughter Rebecca was eight. Our daughter Rebecca just got married to Spencer with the man beard, and our granddaughter is eight. Same story between us. But when I married Teresa uh, and became her husband, Rebecca became my daughter, and I loved her as my own, as my stepdaughter, and I considered it to be a holy mission. When we're step-parents, and I want to give the shout-out to step-parents and foster parents, it's, it's a very holy thing to love a child that's not biolog biologically yours in a non-traditional way. And it's a great form of love to love and to raise a child anyway. And so it was really, it was a joyful day for me to walk my daughter down the aisle to hand off my daughter's hand in marriage to the man that would become the stepfather to my granddaughter. I tell you this story because I wanted to point out that Christmas is really for all of us, it's for the rest of us. And when I think of trust, I want to think of it in very human terms. I want to think of it in human terms, in terms of Joseph, in terms of Joseph taking this responsibility to raise Jesus as his son. And we don't take this into account, but just think about how much of an influence that Joseph had over Jesus' life. Do you remember in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, 
you have heard it said, but I say unto you. You have heard it said, you shall do this, but I say unto you. Do you want to know where he got that? From his stepfather. You have heard it said that I should have my wife-to-be stoned to death for her infidelity, but I say unto you, I will divorce her quietly, and I'll marry her. He learned mercy from Joseph. He learned from Joseph that righteousness is what we do and not what we say. All these things. So as we think this Advent, as we search, as we long for God to come into our world, to break into our world, to do what we need God to do, as we're searching for something to believe in, we pause We trust in the claims of the gospel that Jesus is the one. And then we demonstrate that trust by loving and serving and giving. And remembering that God, that God is with us.